Hello, America, and welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News, where over the weekend there's been lots of news. And I know you're wondering, it's Monday. Why are we having a podcast? Because I don't normally have podcasts on Monday, right? Well, the answer is uh, two words, Rudy Giuliani. Yes, the former mayor of New York City, the former uh, or the current private attorney for uh, President Trump, the former U.S. attorney in New York City. He's joining the show for, and as a result, we're doing a special edition, as you would expect when you get a guest of that magnitude. Rudy Giuliani has been at the center of the laptop that uh, was distributed to the media in the last couple of weeks, allegedly a laptop that Hunter Biden left behind at a repair shop in Delaware uh, that has significant details about um, the business deals that Hunter Biden was doing over the years and uh, some concerns that raised Rudy Giuliani, Bernie Carrick's uh, worries that there might be a child in danger. And so they made a police report uh, to Delaware police. Now, obviously, uh, people think, oh, this is all politics. But under the law, if you find something that suggests a child is in jeopardy, you do have an obligation to report it. So we're going to talk to Mayor Giuliani in just a few minutes. Uh, but first, we're going to do a quick commercial break. When we come back, I want to tell you about three stories on Just the News that you should be paying attention to. First, let's hear from our great sponsors and advertisers. Hey folks, you know what? A small regret is slouching in the dentist chair thinking I should have brushed and flossed better. A big health regret is listening to your doctor and thinking I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. I have that regret a lot. Better health today and when it matters most is why I take Field of Greens. Field of Greens is unlike any fruit and vegetable or green product. Field of Greens isn't watered down extracts. Field of Greens is an organic superfood. It's whole fruits and vegetables. Each fruit and vegetable was selected by doctors to support vital body functions like heart, liver, kidneys, metabolism, and of course, your immune system. And only Field of Greens is backed by a better health promise. At your next checkup, your doctor will notice your improved health or you're gonna get your money back. Don't look back and say, I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. Field of Greens is a key to better health today, right now, and when it matters most. Let's get you started with 15% off and free shipping. All you got to do is visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS at checkout. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, in a few minutes, we're going to be talking to Mayor Rudy Giuliani, the private attorney for President Trump, the former U.S. attorney for the city of New York, and, of course, um, a person who's had been, played a critical role in bringing to light this laptop of allegedly belonging to Hunter Biden that has emails detailing years of efforts to, uh, by Hunter Biden to make money while his father was vice president and right after his father left office in 2016. A lot to cover there. Uh, Mayor Giuliani is going to take us through all the latest of what he's done what's happening, the censorship that's going on <clears throat> in conjunction with that um, laptop and the coverage of it. And uh, we're going to get to that in a few minutes. But I wanted to take you to a couple of stories that I thought were important on Just the News. I'm always proud of the work that we do on a daily basis. And um, we have such great reporters. I want to point a couple of the stories out today that I thought made some important news and I think are having some impact around the country right now. Uh, the first is from Daniel Payne. If you remember, he was on Friday did a really nice job describing one of his stories. He's got a new one out today, and that is that there's been a puzzling, quite frankly, perplexing drop in influenza uh, infections around the country, way below what one would expect going into the fall, winter, 
flu season. Daniel talks to some of the medical experts, has the latest from the CDC talking about what may be going on. Now, you may ask, how big a drop is it? And uh, this is what we're finding. Uh, in the, the last week, the CDC had a 0.3% for positive tests of people testing for uh, the flu. Um, and that means about 33 positive tests out of 10,890 uh, 809 specimens. How is that? That's 0.3%, one third of one point. Normally, it's about 2.4%. That's what it was last year at this time in October. So a really significant low amount of flu appearing around the country, or at least being tested or coming back positive in the tests. He's talking to experts. It's perplexing. People don't know, is it related to COVID? Is this year's flu not as bad? Did more people get flu shots? He's trying to get to the bottom of it. But I think you should take a look at that story. It's on Just the News right now. And the headline is, Confirmed Influenza Cases Hit Rock Bottom, Puzzling Infectious Disease Experts. One really worth uh, checking. Now, over the weekend, on Sunday, I had my own story that's still getting a lot of play around town. It comes from a footnote in a recently declassified document from the FBI. What is this document? It's the famous spreadsheet. I should say the infamous spreadsheet that the FBI kept while um, evaluating the Christopher Steele dossier. It's the spreadsheet that basically showed the vast majority of statements and allegations in Christopher Steele's dossier were either uncorroborated, debunked, or linked to just internet rumors, open source internet rumors that would be meaningless for the professional intelligence analysts in the United States. <clears throat> I've written about that spreadsheet for two years. Everybody knows about it. It is one of the biggest pieces of evidence of just how bad the Christopher Steele dossier was and how wrong it was for the FBI to rely on that document to get a year's worth of surveillance warrants um, against Carter Page targeting the Trump campaign, the Trump transition. Um, so we've known about the document and what it means for Christopher Steele, but footnote 332 has a different revelation, another piece of information that raises questions about what the FBI did in the Russia investigation. What is that piece of information? Well, this footnote states that, uh, in, that the investigation into Paul Manafort, the most recent one that the FBI did, opened up on January 13, 2016. Now, why is that important? <clears throat> why does a date matter? Because that's two months before um, uh, President Trump hired Paul Manafort to work for his campaign, first on the convention, then to be campaign chairman. And uh, given that timetable, we've all thought that the investigation of Manafort came about in August when, when he resigned, of August 2016, when Manafort resigned after the New York Times and Associated Press and others had stories about his Ukrainian uh, connections, his Ukrainian lobbying, his Ukrainian consulting. Uh, but we now find out that the FBI, at least according to this footnote, uh, opened the investigation in January, two months before Trump hired him. So it raises an important question. If the FBI knew Paul Manafort had a problem, and it was an overseas problem, meaning Ukraine, a foreign government, so it almost automatically has a national security intelligence component to it, because you're dealing with a foreign country, foreign power, foreign influences, foreign money, why wouldn't the FBI uh, give a uh, defensive briefing to the uh, future president, then the GOP candidate, saying, Mr. President, you're about to hire this guy. We just want to let you know. Uh, you should be careful. We, we have some concerns about him. That did not happen. We know that didn't happen. We now know that the FBI had an opportunity, potentially, to give that briefing, given that they had opened up the investigation, at least according to this footnote, 
uh, long before the president, uh, future president hired Paul Manafort for his campaign. So I've asked around. You know, I talked to Tom Fitton. He's been on the show several times. What would you do? What should have happened? What Tom Fitton said is, listen, given that this was a foreign power, these are foreign relations, foreign money, foreign influence, it seems logical that the FBI should have given the, uh, Donald Trump a defensive briefing, and he did not. I went to Kevin Brock, the former intelligence chief for the FBI, someone that was at the senior ranks of the FBI and would make decisions like this. And he said the normal practice is, if it's just a straight criminal case, the FBI doesn't normally tell the campaign that, hey, one of the people you're working with is under investigation. But if there is a national security component to it, if there is a counterintelligence component to it, if part of the investigation was opened under counterintelligence auspices, then the FBI almost always gives a, a briefing. And Kevin Brock said that, you know, we would have to wait and find out more about what they opened up on, what the FBI opened up on on January 13th, 2016, to know whether they followed normal protocol or stepped away. But we also know the FBI seemed to be disinterested in helping uh, the Trump campaign. In fact, the text messages between Strzok and Page, the FBI agent and the FBI lawyer, both former now, uh, it suggested they want to stop Trump, not help him. They want to stop Trump from becoming president. That's their own words, not mine. Those are forever emblazoned in their text messages in the public. But important new development on the Paul Manafort front, part of the reason why uh, we bring that uh, to your attention. We think it's worth taking a look at and uh, one of the big stories on justthenews.com right now. Now we're going to get to Rudy Giuliani in just a second. And uh, we want you to uh, stay with us for that interview. I think there's going to be a lot of news breaking on that front. Finally, uh, this afternoon, late this evening, Monday evening, uh, the Senate will vote on a rather expedited basis whether or not to confirm Judge Amy Coney Barrett to the uh, Supreme Court. This would give conservatives a 6-3 solid majority in most cases when Roberts swings to the left occasionally with the liberal justices. It would still give the conservatives a 5-4 advantage on, on the court. This is a momentous vote for both Democrats, has big consequences for them, and for Republicans. And it's going to happen tonight. We're going to have all the breaking coverage, all of the uh, consequences of the confirmation of uh, Amy Coney Barrett to the Supreme Court. Right now, it appears Republicans have the vote. Over the weekend, Lisa Murkowski said she would vote. Susan Collins, the Republican from Maine, said she would not vote, though she wasn't making a decision on Barrett's credentials for the court. She said she just wanted to be consistent because she blocked President Obama from having a vote on his nominee during an election year. She wanted to do the same and be consistent this year. But right now, it appears that the, uh, the Republicans have the votes. If not, we know Vice President Mike Pence intends to be on the floor to cast the vote. And uh, by all accounts, it appears Amy Coney Barrett will be confirmed uh, to the Supreme Court. We're going to talk about that. And tomorrow, we've asked Joe Curl, the former editor of Drudge Report, to weigh in on what are the first things that could come uh, Barrett's way when, as a new, the most junior member of the uh, Supreme Court, junior justice on the Supreme Court. What could they be? Almost certainly the first few rulings that she's going to preside over are going to probably have to do with the election. So stay tuned for more at justthenews.com. We're going to keep you up to date all day and all night on this momentous vote to uh, put Judge Amy Coney Barrett on the Supreme Court. All right, enough talking. We're going to go to another commercial break. We're going to hear from our great customers. Oh, by the way, I am a gigantic fan of Kansas City Steaks. If you haven't checked them out, 
They are amazing. I just bought some new steaks to come to my house for my fall barbecues with friends and neighbors and my family, of course. Um, we'll be socially distanced. Yes, we'll be wearing masks, except when we eat those great steaks, great pork chops, great chicken, all the food we love from them. They have a special offer right now. You're going to hear from them in a few seconds. If you get a chance, go to KansasCitySteaks.com, use the code JUSTNEWS, and you'll get a special discount reserved for Just the News fans, just people that listen to this podcast, read our website. So John Solomon reports uh, in Just the News fans, you're getting this special offer. It's a great time to grill out. If you don't feel like going to restaurants, you don't feel like masking up all the time, you just want to have a great barbecue on the back porch or around the campfire at night in these cold, crisp fall nights, Kansas City Steaks has something very special for Just the News customers. Check it out. When you're at checkout, if you put the words Just News, one word together, no spaces, in the promo box, you're going to get a discount only Just the News fans got. What a cool thing. I want to thank them for that. Um, and uh, you should too by going out and checking out their great offers. All right. We're going to go to that commercial break. When we come back, the one, the only, Rudy Giuliani, joining us here on John Solomon Reports. Temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer, a beach bum summer, or a wake me up when the sun sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door, in as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, an extraordinarily special guest, the former mayor of New York City, the private attorney to President Trump. You all know him as the America's mayor, Rudy Giuliani. Welcome here, uh, Mr. Mayor. Thank you very much, John. It's a great pleasure to be with you. And, and great to have you on as well. Uh, so you had a big week last week. Uh, you, you, you released some very important information, had a profound um, impact on the election. Tell me what you're seeing 10 days out after releasing the emails and other uh, information from the hard drive. Are you seeing this cut through at all with voters? I am. Obviously, I'm not seeing what I should be seeing if this country really were a democracy, which is this should have been projected by every single uh, major news source. It's legitimate news. Uh, but Despite that, I think the, 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 the presence on social media. Also, I've been doing a lot of local radio and television. Right. So I go around them. And there you get quite a good reception because they're so shocked at what they're being denied that you get a double reaction. There's a reaction to the criminality of the Bidens, which is extensive. And then there's a, there, there's a reaction to how could we have this kind of censorship in America? We're supposed to be, this is like being in communist China. I think that might, might even be the stronger reaction. It's a little bit easier for people to, to kind of pick up. It's pretty remarkable. When you boil down the, the, the Biden family finances and what Hunter Biden was done, and it, it, for the average Joe sitting uh, on the assembly line in Kalamazoo, Michigan, or at the bar, or the soccer mom taking their kids to their next game, what's the core issue that you've seen now that you've dug so deep into these emails? Well, I think, that, I think that the emails corroborate what you and I and several others always suspected. This is not a one-off. This is a 30-year 
conspiracy uh, arrangement in which Joe Biden used his family, because he could trust them, to sell his public office, retain the money, give him uh, as much as he needs to live, but then buy things for him. So you look, you take the long look at it, and you say, how could a senator own five homes on a senator's salary and a teacher's salary and five rather magnificent homes? The answer is because some of those homes are being bought by his son with Joe's money, but the son holding on to it. Also, text that summarizes it about as well as I've ever seen a racketeering case summarized by a defendant. He's writing this to his daughter, who's apparently thinking about taking over his role as a bag man. I love all of you, but I don't receive any respect, and that's fine, I guess. Works for you, apparently. I hope you all can do what I did and pay for everything for this entire family for 30 years. It's really hard. But don't worry, unlike Pop, I won't make you give me half your salary. So that's it. That's the arrangement. The arrangement is you're going to lobby for MBNA Bank. In fact, he was known as Senator MBNA. You're going to lobby against bankruptcy reform, which every Democrat was for, but Joe Biden. Right. And MBA Bank gives your son a $170,000, $180,000-a-year job right out of law school, makes him a vice president right out of law school. Uh, he shows up every once in a while. So you could legitimately call it a no-show job. And Hunter, out of that, has to kick back half of that to the old man. And that's Hunter's James own words. James did the that's, same thing. That's the most important thing here, right? This is an email from Hunter's Hunter Biden off his hard drive to his sister, correct? Exactly, because they're kind of taking over some of this role. So uh, over the years, the senator has used his brother, his sister-in-law, possibly his other brother, and, uh, and Hunter. He doesn't like to use outsiders. And that's how we end up with the, let's go to the last conspiracy. And that's the one involving uh, the Chinese communists. That, I'm convinced, was a, uh, a Chinese communist plot to inveigle him in a, in a front company so they could own him. They set up a company, half Bidens, half Chinese communists. The Bidens are going to make introductions. For making introductions, they're going to get $30 million a year. And then there's a division of equity in the contract. And behind the contract, there's a term sheet. The term sheet gives 10% of the equity, overall equity, to the big guy. Right. And then you find documents throughout. If you search for them, you search the big guy, and you pull out references to him as the big guy, made by Hunter Biden, made by friends of Hunter Biden, saying, the big guy just gave a great speech. So that's clearly him. And Mr. Bobolinsky has now testified, who is the CEO of the company, that Biden was the big guy. And also that, that idea that Biden didn't talk about Hunter's foreign business has been a complete lie for 10 years. And that relates back to the Ukraine, actually, uh, where with the documents out, we show that he had a meeting with one of the high-level officials in Burisma. Right. But Mr. Bobolinsky says they discussed all of Hunter's foreign business. He had the impression that Joe was orchestrating it.
when you when you look at this, there's two pots of documents that have come out in the last couple of weeks, and they're both identical in both content and substance and in the way the biz, uh, Biden family business is, is uh, described. You've got your set, which is from the laptop believed to be Hunter Biden's that was left at a repair shop in Delaware. It tells one story and almost identically, although there's you know different emails in different uh, sectors, there is the emails and uh, text messages released by Mr. Bobolinsky. What makes Mr. Bobolinsky so interesting, Toto Bobolinsky, he was CEO of one of these Biden companies, one that was created in 2017 to do business with China. Uh, you've seen two things happen. We see now from the Delaware uh, businessman, the fact that the grand jury subpoena that took the hard drive from him uh, and examined it in December 2019, that the alleged predicate for that uh, subpoena was money laundering. And then we've now been told that Mr. Bobolinsky has been asked to be interviewed by the FBI. Do you have any confidence that there's an ongoing criminal investigation right now involving these matters? Well, they waited 10 months to investigate this. They had it for 10 months. The only way they started investigating it is by my making it public and going to the Delaware police and kicking them in the backside. Right. I guess they're doing something, uh, but there are a lot of questions to be asked. And it, uh, money laundering investigation takes a very, very long time. There are enough, there are enough things on this email uh, tra trail and text message trail that should be published by the main newspapers for the American people to evaluate. The American people should evaluate what I just read about 30 years of, of taking care of expenses and kicking back the salary. They should evaluate the thing about 10% for Mr. Big. There's an, also a text message to all the Bobulinski people from Mr. Galliars, never mention Joe Biden's name. That's in writing. Wow. Now, you don't mention Joe Biden's name. That's I mean, that's one of the clear uh, indications of guilt in a criminal trial. You'd be able to get a judge to charge a jury that when people conceal names, that circumstantial evidence that they are involved with the crime in a knowing and, 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 and guilty way. I mean, there's so much evidence here. It really American people should be allowed to examine it. And it should be dissected by fair and honest reporters, because you have Iraq. James Biden is the bag man. You go to Ukraine, it's Hunter Biden with a small deal for James. You go to uh, Kazakhstan, it's Hunter Biden, possibly James. You go to Romania, it's Hunter Biden. Then you go to China and it's the whole crew, because that's where the big money is. China, China was paying James, uh, Hunter, Sarah, and Joe, the big guy. Or four. If we could, if we could get the facts of those four out, it proves that that Joe Biden is the most corrupt vice president in our history that we know of. Uh, Spiro Agnew was a small-time, you know, guy taking thousands. This guy's taking somewhere near thirty and forty million dollars. According to these, according to mine, and I know there are other emails, other texts, for example, that 3.5 million from Moscow, all I have is the proof that it was paid. All of those documents, I think, are being analyzed now by, uh, by Peter Schweiker and his associate. 
I believe it's a money laundering operation, but I don't have those documents except a few references to it. So, yeah, that's a third pot of documents uh, that belong to uh, Devin Cooney, who was another business associate of Hunter Biden and uh, Devin Archer, who were business associates on so many different things. I want to go to that for a second. One of the remarkable things that we now know is that Hunter Biden was doing business all through the years that Joe Biden was vice president with somebody who's now a convicted felon, someone who was convicted in 2018 of fleecing an Indian tribe through a fraudulent scheme and fleecing him through an account at um, uh, Morgan Stanley that Hunter Biden and uh, Devin Archer, the convict, uh, were using jointly. Both of them were getting money out of the account. Are, do you have any concern? What's your reaction to the fact that Hunter Biden sort of escapes the scrutiny in that trial? I mean, there are references to him from time to time, but it's as though Hunter Biden didn't exist for the purpose of the trial. Do you have concerns about what SDNY, the U.S. attorney in New York, did to narrow that case? Sure, absolutely. I have uh, concerns about that. I have concerns about the judge's opinion. After they were all convicted, right. the judge... The judge uh, dismissed the verdict and then was summarily reversed by the Second Circuit. And um, <laughs> the judge has very strong political ties to the uh, progressive wing of the Democratic Party. Sure. It looks like a, uh, I mean, it, it, there was no basis for, for, the, for the reversal. Right. Also, the Southern District is not what we would call squeezing Devin Archer. In a situation like this, when you've got all this evidence, I mean, Mr. Bobolinsky is talking. Devin Archer could tell you the whole thing. You got him. You got him on the ropes, convicted. I don't know of any attempts to get him to cooperate. They're certainly not doing to him what they did to Paul Manafort and locking him in solitary confinement and questioning him every three days. Yeah. I don't recommend that. Right, right. But I'm trying to give you an idea that this is not exactly an enthusiastic investigation. Two different they were standards. very enthusiastic about going after Mr. Cohen, however. I mean, they raided his home at right. four in the morning. They had him in for questioning, you know, two, three times a day. They leaked a tremendous amount of information about him. There is a definite, there is definite, there is a definite anti-Trump, Trump derangement syndrome section within the U.S. Attorney's Office. And when you look out now, one, we, we have a body of evidence for Hunter Biden's acknowledging giving 50% of his business proceeds to the vice president for many, many years. You've got an allocation chart suggesting that the vice president was due to get 10% uh, of an investment involving the communist Chinese in 2017. But then you get Joe Biden's financial disclosure forms you don't, and tax returns. You don't see any of this money there. That's the missing link. And so as a former prosecutor, What's the next step? How do you find, if there was money going to Joe Biden, which you can't see in the public record, how would you find that? How would you go about doing that as a, as a former federal well, prosecutor? First, first, first thing I do is I reconstruct how he bought those homes. Uh, where did the money come from, from the homes? Did it come from him? Did it come from Hunter? Did it come from other family members who were bag men? Uh, maybe you could trace that to specific payments that were made by some of these countries. I mean, they, they had money coming in virtually... 14, 15, 20 times a year when he was vice president. It was really very profitable for the Bidens to monetize his public office. So you start tracing that money, how much money. It, now, a, uh, a lot of it, a lot of the money, I have to tell you, got wasted on crack and on other, other drugs. Hunter spent hundreds of thousands of dollars a month on uh, some of it appears to be crack, some alcohol, some of it's entertainment, some of it's prostitutes. But he... 
30% of that is probably gone in that hole. But uh, yeah, you could, tr you could trace it that way. There's no question, you know, the rule is follow the money, right. but you have to have the documents and you have to have the will to do it. We have the documents. Nobody wants to do it. Yeah. I think they think it'll be the end of their career. Uh, they believe, you know, if you, if you investigate Trump, then the media cheers for you and makes you, you know, Comey was a hero. I mean, Comey could be the worst director of the FBI in our history, and they made him a hero because he was going after Trump. It didn't matter that he was going after him illegally, unethically. Just go after Trump and you're a hero. Go after Biden or Hillary and uh, you're a Russian spy or you're a ha I'm a henchman. I'm not even sure I know what that. And I think a henchman, what, what do henchmen do? Do they like kill people or? Yeah, I don't know. I'm not. Uh, I've never met I a henchman. I, I, I mean, they say this. They say this. <laughs> Probably a good thing. They say the stupidest thing. Yeah. And, and they never ever deal with the evidence. Right. Not one time have they said that any of these emails or texts are untrue. That's the, the one right I read key, to you it? about half about half going to the father and paying the expenses. Right. They haven't denied that. Right. But what that? I mean, there's a uh, an investigatory task. It's just obvious. He's telling you what to investigate. Yeah. Go take a look at the expenses for the last 30 years. Right. It reminds me of a net worth income tax case. They actually put a major gangster in jail once that way. He claimed he had no money. So they went out and they showed how much he spent that year. And they recreated his income based on his expenses. Well, you could do that with, with Joe. You could do a net worth case. How much does he own? Is that out of, out of whack with his income? And then if it is, then you go look for the, the answer to the question, where did it come from? It's going to have come from James, Sarah, Hunter. I doubt that he moved out of the family. There's, yeah. another, there's another part to this. There's a certain sympathy for Hunter, which I share in a way, because we go way back to when he was 22, 23, 24, and they put him in that vice president's job at MBNA Bank. And he was a vice president right out of law school, never showed up for work. He, he had a drug problem from the very beginning. So now you're his father. you got two choices, right? One choice is you get him into a really good program and you, and, and you keep him out of anything complicated. You don't stress his life more than it has to be. Instead, out of reasons of greed, because of his own narcissism, he takes his son and he puts him in the most stressful kind of business he could possibly be in, dealing with world-class criminals who were involved in murder. Mykola Zloshevsky, member of Ukrainian organized crime, master criminal, under tremendous pressure with uh, Zloshevsky of getting caught. Then he moves on to Elena Buterina, who's the widow of the mayor of Moscow who helped depose the mayor. So this is quite a, quite a character. He's very close to Putin, and he made her the richest woman in Russia. This is not somebody a drug addict should be dealing with if you want to cure him. And as I said, the last partner of his is sitting below the Yangtze River. So all the Chinese, all some of his partners go to jail. Right? Some of his partners get killed. You can't tell me this is the way you rehabilitate a drug addict. When you There's no wonder by the time he's 40, he's lost all his teeth. And he's, he, there's a picture of him with no teeth, and they have to put teeth in for him. Hmm. How can a father do this to a son? 
Let me ask you a question that uh, is perplexed me. If you're Hunter Biden and you know your dad's running for vice president, uh, if the story's true that he left this uh, hard drive behind at the Delaware repair shop, do you have a theory why he would have left it behind and never come to pick it up? It seems like a very reckless thing to do. Uh, have you developed any theories in talking to the shop owner and, and developing evidence as to why in, in the summer or spring of 2019 he just leaves behind such a sensitive piece of uh, equipment with sensitive data on it? Well, I know there's a lot of speculation. I mean, sort of amateur psychology <laughs> that maybe he's doing it because he wants to be caught. He wants the father to be caught. That would be supported by some very poignant emails and texts about this where he does reflect on how his father misused him and is angry about it. I mean, even even this small text that I read to you, you could see a certain amount of anger right. in how he was misused. But I can't tell you that's the reason. He's also he's also a consistent dr drug addict and alcoholic. So he could have forgotten. Yeah, by his own admission. Yeah, he's, not, he's talked about that. Actually, that I think, I do think, I do think that the shop owner actually thought that was the case. Yeah. So yeah, I think yeah. he just forgot it. Now, uh, until, until, until the magic moment when it resurfaced and they must have put him in a room and said, Hunter, what is this? One of the things after all the body of evidence has come out, a lot of it's come out belatedly, right? We started a year and a half, two years ago. I started working on Brees. I know you did. And now we have a much larger right. uh, uh, picture of what the Biden wow. family enterprise look like. Um, when you look at that, e that text message that you messaged, if that's Hunter Biden's text message uh, or message uh, about the 50% going to uh, his father, uh, there was a, a poignant moment in his ABC interview where he talked about not only that he, he, you know, when asked, did you get the job at Breesman in Ukraine because of your family name? He said, yeah, probably. I think he said something to the fact that a lot of things that came my way came my way because of my family name. When you look back at that statement now in that interview and then you look at the body of evidence, did that, th does that appear to be the case that the Biden family name was, was a calling card that you could go anywhere in the world and try to do business with? Absolutely. It, 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 the way I describe it is this is a crime family. There uh, and they and their their income is monetizing his public office, and they look for every opportunity to do it. They do it through lobbying, they do it through business deals. Uh, but the remarkable thing is how it was ignored when it was done at the highest levels of government. I mean, the American people should should have known in 2015 when Joe Biden was negotiating very serious deals with China to try to get them out of the islands they disputed with Japan right. to get the tariffs out. They should have known that his son was signing up a $1.5 billion private equity fund for him and uh, Whitey Bulger's nephew and the Bank of China. We have someone negotiating for us against China whose son is a business partner of the Bank of China. Yeah, And we don't know about it? And Obama doesn't know about it. Yeah. If he doesn't know about it, he's got one pathetic intelligence service. Well, well, and if he did know about it, if he did know it, it amounts to fraud not to tell the American people that. It's, it's a pretty remarkable thing. Now, there's an interesting gap, right? You, you have concerns that the U.S. attorney and the FBI had this hard drive for a year. Doesn't look like much happened. There's clearly a gap between these emails showing. Uh, Hunter Biden thought he was giving large portions of his money to Joe Biden and the actual money changing hands to Joe Biden. If you don't have confidence in the FBI, are, do you think it's incumbent upon 
uh, Attorney General Barr to name a special counsel, or can this be done internally within the Justice Department without having to have another Robert Mueller-like type investigation? I would like to say it could be done within the Justice Department, but I'd have to say that they've shown to us that they're not capable of doing it. They, they, they have too many people in the Justice Department who either still carry over Trump derangement syndrome, they just haven't been discovered, or they have too many people that are afraid that their reputations will be ruined if they make a case on, on Joe Biden. And we know that that's not an exaggeration, John, because we've seen them try to do it to us and other people. Yeah, it's a, it's a, anyone who goes up and tries to explore this certainly gets a blowback. There's no doubt about that. I think you and I and others who have done it have felt that blowback. Um, I want to switch gears for one second to one more sensitive part on the hard drive evidence that you have. You went to Delaware Police a week ago. You raised concerns about uh, material on the hard drive, raising questions about the safety, child endangerment of a teenager. I want to be very careful because we don't identify alleged child victims of sex crimes. But one of the things that I know is important under Delaware law and under most state laws is that if you make such a report, there's usually a requirement within 24 or 48 hours that police go check on the welfare of the child or talk to the parents of that child. Again, not identifying the child at all, but do you have any sense that the police in Delaware have done anything to follow up and check on the well-being of that child that you had concerns about based on the evidence on that hard drive? None. The only evidence I have is they brought it up to the AG of Delaware, who right. is a political crony of uh, Biden's, pretty much owned by him. And uh, she punted it to the FBI, which is, of course, the very organization that wasn't investigating. And the reason we went to them is because the FBI wasn't going to do it. So I guess we were given the classic runaround. The tragedy of that is there's another email, text, I'm sorry. There's another text. This one is to his father. The date is September 23rd, 2018. And he admits that I create and cause a very unsafe environment for the kids. Yeah. Yeah. Well, with that admission, I have been told by now three different uh, experts on child endangerment that this is almost a mandatory report. This is a mandatory reporting requirement. If someone in a hospital or law enforcement saw this, they would commit a crime if they didn't report. They had an obligation to check on the well-being. Are and you, you have do to anything? act on it. You just can't say, yeah. oh, gee, it's not true. Right. And you don't have to go too far to find out what it was. Right. You just open his photographs, and it's filled with some of the most obscene, yeah. disgusting yeah. stuff. Yeah. And it is filled with a large number of pictures of underage girls, yeah. way more than a normal male should have. Hmm. And the single most photographed person in the 29,000 photos is this particular young lady. Yeah. Well, uh, do you do anything? Is there anything more you can or are contemplating doing, going back to Delaware police, going to the court to make sure that the child protection issue has been at least adjudicated or addressed in a way? Or is that a dead end? Is there nothing more you can do? Well, I don't know that it's a dead end. We're, we're pursuing things that we can do and trying to get more evidence of it right. so that we can present more of it and reignite it. I don't know what else we're going to have to produce other than his statement that I'm a danger to the kids. Yeah, yeah. I, that's a, there's, a, there, there's a real story here, though, that Joe Biden all throughout is the enabler. And it's a, his, his political career comes first. So why does he use the relatives for the briberies? 
because they can be trusted better. He doesn't get it out of his family and go find a couple of bums in Washington, of which there are many who would do it for him, because he can't trust him as much. Yeah, they're, they're Why not. does this not get dealt with effectively? Because he doesn't want the bad publicity because he's running for president. This family has been destroyed by his blind ambition yeah. and greed. He's destroyed this family over that. This family is not a healthy family, and it's a, tra it's a tragedy. Yeah, there's no doubt the family business was extensive and, and, and so uniquely tied to the foreign policy responsibilities. You know, there are lots of other countries they could have gone made money in, but Joe Biden's portfolio is China, it's Russia, it's Ukraine, and it seems as though they targeted the very area that Joe Biden was had a policy uh, thing. And now you can see why those State Department officials during the impeachment went out of their way to say that Joe Biden created a conflict of interest for them because they saw the family coming in right behind the vice president's portfolio. I want to switch real quickly to one other thing, because you're such an important advisor to the president on the outside. What does President Trump need to do in the final eight days of the election to, to try to win re-election? What are the key things in this final stretch that he has to do to, to win re-election? Well, I think ultimately this is a choice as to who, who do you want to run your country? And he's got to convince them that he is, he's the hope for the future. That he, that, that, um, that's a combination of positive and negative, right? Point out what he's done, which he's doing, he's pointing it out, how that sets him up to do what has to be done. Right. And even with a tremendous attack on our economy, the recovery is already way, way ahead of what anybody thought. I mean, he's already showing the kind of magic he has in dealing with the economy by getting our unemployment down to a, a number that is not recessionary, not the depression they, they, they suggested. It's a number that we've had in normal times, 8%. He's grown jobs each month by record numbers. Stock market is remaining at record levels. Our GDP has not been affected greatly. And I think we've had the strongest recovery of any nation on earth, unless you want to actually believe that China grew by 4%, which I don't know. <laughs> yeah. That's like half of China grew by 4%. The other half of China is starving. I mean, uh, other than China's phony report, there's nobody even close to us on economic recovery. When you look at the early voting totals, what do you, uh, does the president have enough of a get out the vote operation to overcome whatever does, the Democrats was, achieved was, early on? I was very worried about the early voting until I realized you can vote in person. Yeah. And apparently, Yes, the Democrats are are dominating the mail-in, but then by almost equal numbers, the Republicans are dominating the walk-in voting. Yeah. Also, we outregistered them in many states by a couple hundred thousand, so we have a lot more new Republicans than they have new Democrats. So, it, it, of course, the polls bother you because you see them all the time, but you do have to have the experience of last time. These polls are closer than they were when he won last time. Right. And last time, the reason he won was that he had more enthusiasm. This time, he has, he has more enthusiasm. I mean, it's ridiculous. They're, they're, they're conducting spontaneous demonstrations in, in states where he has no chance to win. Right. New York Just City, to right? Show. Yeah. New York City and Los Angeles yesterday. Right. Beverly Hills, gigantic demonstration. Yeah. More than Joe Biden. More people were at the Beverly Hills demonstration than Joe Biden has seen through the entire campaign. Remarkable. Yeah. I think it's going to be interesting to see what is the effect of enthusiasm on a poll. 
and how many extra people does it bring out to vote? And this uh, traveling that he's doing, because I did it with him, I did it with him in 2016. This is magic. I mean, we won Michigan, and I think we won Michigan because we were supposed to stop campaigning at midnight. Rona McDaniel called up and said, we have a crowd at the airport. And he said, oh, let's do one more. <laughs> and he only won by less than a percent. And everybody says, had he gone to Minnesota instead of Michigan, he would have won Minnesota. Isn't that something? So he had to pick the one which he thought was better. Yeah. I think this time he's not going to miss anybody. Yeah, he's clearly got his schedule is three, four times what, what Joe Biden, six times what Joe Biden. But these rallies, today. these ra what, the, what, what they don't realize about these rallies, this is what drives you to produce for him above and beyond the call of duty. Yeah. These people will all vote sitting out there in the cold. They'll also get people to vote. They're inspired. And positive inspiration is always much better than negative, like two, three to one. Yeah. So that's where I think his secret weapon is, and that's why I think he's going to win. That'll be, it'll be interesting to see eight days out. Um, Mr. Mayor, we want to stay in touch with you because obviously you've been working this hard. Is there anything yeah, we should... I do too. We, uh, uh, last question. Is there anything we should be looking for in the next three or four days as this plays out? Do you look at the Justice Department? Do you look at Delaware Police? Where are the places that Americans should look for the next development in the Biden family business controversy that are now front and center? I think, the, I think that... Uh, I think that the, the Delaware State Police and the FBI owe the American people an explanation of what they've done to secure the children and what their investigatory plan is and how, and how are we going to get information that we're going to need in order to make a decision on this election. There has to be some kind of an interim report about, about this because the only reason it's late is their fault, not ours. They've had it for a year. And they have a lot more than this, by the way. Yeah. They have all my documents that I gave them that they have not done a single thing to investigate in 10 months. And we know the Southern District had a large elements of this way back two and a half years ago. Yeah, no doubt. Yep. Yeah, there's no doubt when they got all the documents from... Rosemont Seneca Bohai, the, the firm by which the, the Indian fraud allegedly occurred, that's the same place that the Burisma money came in. It's the same place that many of these other transfers we're hearing about came in. And so they, they clearly have had familiarity with these financial transactions for a long time. And I guess the big question for the American people is, what have they done about it? And I guess we'll, we'll find out in the coming days. Sir, I want to thank you very much for taking the time today. We hope thank you get back on the show Keep soon. Congratulations with your podcast, too, Common Sense. You, I know lots and lots of people are watching that every day. And I, and I know lots that watch you, including me. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, sir. All right, thank folks, you. we're going to wrap things up. We'll come back in a few seconds after these commercial breaks. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, folks, welcome back for the commercial break. Uh, wow, what an interview with Rudy Giuliani, a lot to digest. I thought his points about how prosecutors and the FBI 
might go about checking these claims and these hard drives and these text messages and these um, uh, other documents that have come forward. Remember, we've got three buckets of documents. You've got the hard drive that Rudy Giuliani got from the repair guy in Delaware. You've got the emails and text messages of the former CEO of a Biden company venture, a guy named Tony Bobolinsky. And now you have hard drive and emails of messages from a former business associate of Hunter Biden and Devin Archer um, uh, named Devin Cooney. And all of those together have a suggestion that Joe Biden may have been a secret partner in some of his son's um, business partners. You heard the text message that Mayor Giuliani read allegedly from Hunter Biden saying that half the money he got over the years had to go to Joe Biden, meaning Hunter Biden's proceeds had to go to the vice president. So the question is, how do we check that out? I thought Mayor Giuliani's instincts as a prosecutor, what the FBI should look at, house sales, purchases, bank accounts, uh, gives you some insight of what could be going on if the FBI has taken these allegations seriously. We have some inkling they have because we know they contacted Mr. Bobolinsky, the former CEO, the other day. And so uh, think about that. We're going to be doing more reporting here at Just the News all week long. Tomorrow, we're going to have one of the great appellate and constitutional lawyers in the country uh, on this broadcast. We're looking forward to it. Alan Dershowitz, somebody that um, was a big character in my 2011 book on Dominic Strauss-Kahn and the sexual assault case against the former French leader, uh, the former IMF head. Uh, so tomorrow... We're going to have a big discussion about the state of law, the state of censorship, the state of free speech in America with one of the great um, uh, liberal uh, legal minds in America, uh, somebody who's been quite defensive of President Trump on many grounds. Uh, so be back with us tomorrow, our normal scheduled edition on Tuesday of John Solomon Reports. You won't be disappointed. Alan Dershowitz coming tomorrow. We hope you like Rudy Giuliani. More big guests coming this week, along with some more original reporting from justthenews.com. Check us out. We'll be back tomorrow morning. Until then, God bless you. God bless America. <laughs>